Are you tired of losing sales? Do you wish you had proven strategies that would help you increase your sales today, not in three months? You could Google it, but Google is in the information business. And I am in the transformation business. Welcome, Welcome. to the Snack-Sized Sales Podcast, where we will share three actionable sales strategies that you can implement in your business today to increase your sales tomorrow. This includes tactics, tips, and techniques from industry experts, influencers, and sales pros to help you shorten your learning curve and increase your bottom line. The more sales strategies we simplify for you, the shorter your sales cycle and the more money in the bank. Now your host, 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 multi-award-winning sales expert and international speaker, Wesleyan Greer. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Snack Size Sales Podcast. Today, we have Seth Brewer. How are you, Seth? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing awesome. So let me tell you guys a little bit about Seth. Seth is the co-owner and head of business development at Engineered Vision. Before Engineered Vision, oh, my tongue is tied today, Mr. Brewer was the owner of an Ohio-based marketing firm, Client Generation Tactics, as well as the Marketing Project Director at House of Calls. And he was also the Director of Project Development at Dry Rain Media. He has developed a strong track record of sales performance across industry barriers through precise and robust marketing coordination while maintaining a healthy collection of internet marketing knowledge. Mr. Brewer has broadened his expertise into the world of automation technology and is heavily involved in the research of advancements of the industry. Along with the sales and marketing, Mr. Brewer is a certified project manager and is involved in project work. So you have made a huge transition. You moved from the world of just traditional marketing and now you're working with Engineered Vision. Tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are today. Well, I started off, uh, I graduated from Ohio University, and I started off working at Enterprise. And just like everybody else, you want to get out of wherever you're at. So I moved out to Colorado. And when I moved out there, actually, I wound up getting sick and uh, had to leave Enterprise. And during that time, I got a mentor called Michael Blackwell, who owns Dry Rain Media. And he kind of took me under his wing and taught me a little bit about internet marketing to see if it was anything that I wanted to do. It was pretty interesting at the time, so I went ahead and went with it, and we did quite a lot together. We did House of Calls, which is a quote form software, so pretty much whenever you submit a quote form, it uh, will call the person that just submitted that uh, quote form within about 30 seconds. So it's uh, it's interesting, and then we moved into Client Generation Tactics, uh, and that was a lot of fun, and I actually had to pivot in Client Generation Tactics because you can't just say that you're good at everything, especially when it comes to internet marketing. It just it doesn't work. So you have to niche down. So what I found is that the legal paralegals and the legal industry really didn't have a good grasp on their SEO or on on any real part of their internet marketing. So I pivoted towards them. And then about four or five years into that, Chad Stroud asked me to join Engineered Vision. Mm, So I want to speak about something you mentioned specifically, niching down. Because a lot of times people think, hey, well, if I niche down, I'm going to have less people that I can speak to or target. But when you made that transition in that previous business that you were involved in, how did niching down actually help and benefit you guys? Well, it actually made it easier for us to target the individuals. Because at first we were thinking, oh, there's so many companies out there. We'll be able to, you know, there's just work everywhere. But we actually were able to pinpoint what those people were looking for. 
maybe what they weren't doing well in their advertising and in their marketing. What you find, especially when you get into any industry or when you niche down, you see that a lot of companies are making the same mistakes. They're doing a lot of the same things. And when you figure out those trends, then you can really pinpoint your plan. And uh, that's one of the best things that we did moving forward with the legal entities. You know, something I like to say is there are riches in the niches, right? And so <laughs> when you can actually speak to a specific audience and you really understand their problems and their pain and the impact to their business better, you can rinse and repeat and go to the next client or the next client. And you're saying the same thing, just packaging it up a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it's not that you want to be, you know, cookie cutter with everybody, but it does help you uh, in figuring out those avenues, I'd say. I love it. So let's talk about engineer vision as the head of business development. Uh, tell us about some of the challenges that you may have had in this current position, because it seems like you've been there for about four or five years. So with engineer vision, I, I think everybody had the same thing happen in the last year with COVID affecting them in one way or another. While it hurt us in the beginning, we learned to move from, from doing just custom automation, because that's a lot of what we do. And that's one of the fun things that I liked from going from internet marketing to this is that I actually get to work in all these industries that are, you know, I don't have to specifically niche down. I can niche down to technology and not towards a specific industry. So one of the things that we did have to do, though, is we had to pivot in the beginning and start creating more off the shelf products. So we have a good relationship with Epson. I'm sure that a lot of people have Epson printers and everything else in their house, but what they might not know is that Epson is huge in robotics and all of the robots that Epson builds, they actually build their printers and computers with. So it's really a whole intricate thing to where they're not just making machines to you know, sell them, they're making them for themselves. So we created the FlexBot, which is a vibratory flex feeding cell. So pretty much you have a robot, you've got a camera and you've got a vibratory feeder. And we created that into a all-in-one cell to help get our small to medium-sized businesses into the forefront of automation. Because I think a lot of people have this mentality that it's very expensive and that it takes away jobs. And we really don't want that to be the case because it's, it's just not true at all. So what we did was we created the FlexBot. It shows a lot of what automation can do. And it's a, it's a good introductory price to get all these businesses who aren't maybe ready to make you know, the full phase automation approach, but to start out, so. Ah, I love that. In my previous life, um, many moons ago, I sold uh, capital equipment. So I oh. sold these things into, you know, petrochemical labs, pharma labs, all different types of labs. And one thing that I noticed with a lot of my competitors that would focus on customization a lot, they would find themselves losing deals more than they were winning deals because it was harder to deliver, right? A customization is great, but that lead time is really long, right? Maybe it's 16 weeks or 24 weeks. Whereas that off the shelf product, like you said, you can have them on the shelf and maybe it's more like a two week turnaround time. And when you're able to get your foot in the door with something off the shelf and at a lower entry point, it accelerates the growth for many, many years to come, because yeah. people are like you said, hey, we put our, we got our foot in the door. Now we like this automation. What else can we automate? Oh, now we want to do the custom thing and we're willing to wait the 20 or 24 weeks, right? Mm -hmm. Is that kind of what you found with um, switching? Yeah, yeah. A little bit of, uh, you know, just getting the education out there. I think that there's just a lot of misconceptions about what automation does. And you're right, if we have 
you know, we have this one product that actually shows quite a bit. And of course there is some customization to it, but at the same point, this is a main off the shelf product that can be utilized in a lot of different spaces. So that's good. That's good. And, you know, I think that something that you said is cookie cutter. You mentioned it in another vein, but nobody wants a cookie cutter product. And so right. even though you have something off the shelf, if you're able to say, yes, it's off the shelf, but we customize it for your needs. And so mm -hmm. they still feel like they're getting like something semi custom, right? Right, right. So it's still unique to their process, but it helps them and just saying, hey, you know, this is what the base price is, you know, and whatever you want customized for it, we're going to include it in this base price. But I, I think showing people what their processes or what can happen to their processes through automation is a lot better than just going in and having a design and saying, hey, you know, this is going to happen. Having that first little step and having proof of it goes a long way because a lot of people are, are showy people, right? They want to see it. They don't want to hear about it. They want to see it. And with automation, yeah. it's especially with custom automation, it's kind of hard to just show it. So this is one of the best ways that we can show, sell, and a little bit of customization at the same time. I love it. And one thing that you mentioned was a lot of people are scared of automation just because they feel that it's going to take jobs away. So I want you to help us understand, you know, how automation is actually useful within businesses and it doesn't take jobs away. It actually helps because I've always been under the impression of if we have automation or if we can do something faster, better, more efficient, the humans that we have doing that task, we can now use their brain power to do something better, something yes. effective. So let's talk, talk to us about that. Yeah. So pretty much what it does is it frees up workers to do other jobs. Now it could be other priorities that are in the plant or, you know, maybe helping out uh, as a floater of some sort. But what the main thing about automation is that instead of taking a job away, a worker who was just a simple assembly liner or a laborer is what they would be qualified or, you know, said in the paperwork or, you know, that is their job title. Now they're actually a robot technician. Now they're working alongside a robot. So not only are they increasing their skill level, they're increasing their job title and really not having to do much more than you know, it's quite simple, most of these, most of these automation systems. And if you can learn just the point and click, a lot of them are drop down programming. There's a lot of things that when you think about automation, you're like, oh my God, it's going to be too much. But when I first started, and I haven't been in this industry for a long time, when I first started, we were able to have me program a robot to do a simple process within one day. And I had never done anything with <laughs> automation at all. So I think the misconception is that not only are the jobs that are going to be coming in necessary for more qualified people, I think the big scare is that, you know, this is going to come in, we're going to completely automate the factory, and then I'm not going to have anything to do and, you know, I'm going to get cut. In reality, yes, automation will take away some jobs. Roughly, if we were to automate everything right now that we wanted to automate, we'd probably be cutting away about 10% of key jobs in manufacturing. However, when you look at what those jobs are, if for eight to 12 hours a day, you have to inspect a part that's this big with your eyes and you're going like this and going like this and you're going like that. After a while, it's really going to not only wear on you, but it's also going to wear on the company and it's going to be different every time. So to help out the company and to help out the people, automation really is the best way to move forward, not only industry-wise, but of course, labor-wise. You get that increase, you get that extra training, you get to open up, let's say that you were in a job where you were, you know, having to inspect a part. Well, now you've opened up to another part of the area where 
everybody in the business might realize, wow, you know, we have Frank doing this. We should have had Frank doing, you know, assembling this part of the line the entire time. Let's go ahead and give him a better pay, better job like this. So there's a lot of different routes that automation can help create more jobs and maybe also help out the industries as well. I love it. And, you know, a lot of what you said is I focus on within my business, I call it the three P's. So people, process and profits, right? And I believe that people are the core to the business. And one thing that you mentioned in terms of automation, which I would consider that a process piece, is not only are we retaining about 90% of our employees, right? We're also giving them a better job, right? They're now robot technicians. And so they can say, instead of, oh, I inspect parts all day, every day, I operate a robot. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if we think about a lot of times the blue collar workers that we have working in factories, they have that, okay, this is just a job. I just punch in and I don't, you know, this is what I do every day. But if we're able to actually help build up their confidence and let them know, like you said, I was able to program this robot in, in a day and they can do the same thing and they can change things up and they're, they feel like they have more value. And then we work on the process piece by utilizing something that is going to help increase your profits because you're moving faster now, right? You have less, um, really right. less waste. I mean, and there's so many benefits. I just think there's more upside to automation than downside. It's true. And I think um, it's in the Wealth of Nations, Adam Smith wrote about automation even then. You know, that's a book from 1776. That's a long time ago. But it, it talks about, you know, the differences in farming. And even at that time, how you know, why would you just do it one hand at a time when you have a machine that can then plant, you know, whole fields and, and you know, you should be moving and uh, growing. And education, you know, isn't just us going and reading a book. Education is actually a lot of fun when you look at, you know, what you can do within an industry, especially in manufacturing. It's like being on an episode of How It's Made every day. You know, I mean, I don't know why people don't enjoy it as much as others, but it is very exciting. Yeah, I like that show, How It's Made. It's really cool. My kids like it too. <laughs> it's cool to see how things, um, the evolution of things, right? Because you can see how they're made today, but then in some episodes, they show you how they were made 10 or 20 or 50 years ago. So that's awesome. So Seth, tell us about a success story. So maybe you have a customer that was very resistant to automation, but you were able to pull them over the hump. Tell us about that. Well, um, one of the first companies that we got a long-term contract for was a, a carbide company. They had been told by other technology, vision technologies, I, I guess machine vision has a, a lot of different uh, aspects to it, but what this company was doing was taking a part off of their line, inspecting it on a standalone position. And then if it was good, awesome. And if it was bad, they were throwing away probably 25 of these parts. Um, so what we did was we said that we could create an inline inspection for them. So we would take it right off of where uh, it was being produced and then be able to inspect those parts and then not only get rid of the bad parts, but not have to throw away, you know, 50 parts when really only one of them was bad. So we created that and we gave them um, a dimension of measurement and we actually were able to complete it. It's uh, two ten thousandths, so it's 0 0.0002 of a rate on a uh, millimeter on a radius. And uh, we were actually able to get that measurement, which is something that no other company was able to do. Mm. Um, and in doing that, they have now become a longtime customer of ours. They're actually our best customer. 
and they've, the machine that I just spoke about, um, they're going to be ordering quite a few more. So, Wow. And so, uh, you know, a lot of what you talked about here in on this episode, we talked about really automating their process. And when we think about automating your process, it does increase your sales and it makes your people feel like their jobs are, yes, my job is still safe, but what it does is it really ensures more repeatability. And yeah. what you're saying, and any engineers that are listening to this episode, I know how you guys love getting down to those tents of all the way down. Like you said, two tents, <laughs> that is what engineers love. And so I can imagine that the people on the other side of the table were excited about that, right? Because the more precision, the more accuracy, the less um, runoff that you have. I mean, all of that really helps them feel like, okay, this is a company I want to work with. That's true. Yeah. It, it, solving unique and complex problems is obviously difficult, but we have the technology to overcome it now. And when you get there, the feeling is very euphoric. It's awesome getting to take something that was once pretty much basically impossible and solving it. Yes. I love it. I love it. Automation is not bad. Automation <laughs> is good. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Seth. I've learned so much from you and I really think the audience has benefited from really understanding how automation can help increase your sales because yes, you do have to make an investment. We have to invest in those things that are beneficial to us, but just using automation in and of itself can help your company become more efficient, more effective, and more profitable. So if people are interested in getting in contact with you, what is the one best way that they can? Uh, the one best way uh, would be to just reach out to me through email. It's just seth at engineered-vision.com. Um, I always respond to emails and, you know, we'd love to tackle any problems or issues that you might have or just educate. Like I said, even if you don't want to go with us, I just want everybody to know the possibilities that automation can bring. I love that. My motto, teach them and they will come. I go. love it. Thanks so much again, Seth. And that was another episode of the Snack Size Sales Podcast. Be sure to leave a review, share this episode, and leave us a five-star review as well as comment. We love hearing from you guys. And remember, in everything that you do, transform your sales. Thank you for joining us today on the Snack-Sized Sales Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe and leave us a review. Learn how to continue increasing your bottom line by getting simplified sales strategies delivered to your inbox weekly by going to www.snacksizedsales.com. Trust me, your bank account will grow and love you.